I would advise all the ladies out there listening is conserve your cash. Okay, whether you're married, you have a significant other, you're single, be smart with your money for the next 12 months. I'll tell you why. The purchasing power out there has dropped. Things are more expensive. Hey, everybody. This is Diane Gilman, formerly known as the Queen of Jeans on QVCHSN, but now with my own podcast, Too Young to Be Old. And today I'm going to ask you a question. Would you like somebody to help you create wealth and personal freedom? You would? Well, I've got the guy for you, Ben Reinberg. And without further ado, here's a guy that says, I own it. It's all about being an entrepreneur from the time he was eight years old. I got to just, Ben, I got to tell one hilarious story before we get started. It kind of sets you up and frames you. When Ben was eight, he noticed, and I will ask you how you noticed that in bars, what you were doing in bars when you were eight years old, that cigarettes were being sold for $2 a pack. That tells you how aged we are. But in if you went into a drugstore, they were only a dollar a pack. So Ben got an older kid to buy the cigarette packs in the drugstore and then go into the bar and sell them at $2. Well, I would love to make that kind of 100% gain on my money, and that would be freedom. And you say that's still your template for doing business today. Ben, meet my audience, mostly female, and they are all going to be absolutely charmed by you. Well, thank you, Diane Gilman. What a pleasure to be on your show. I mean, I am you were on my show and now it I was get to so fun. Show, and I get to add value to all the women out there. And you touched on a really special story to me. I, I grew up in Chicagoland. Uh, for any of you listeners out there, if you know Chicago, I grew up in the north suburbs. And I grew up in an area where I had a military base around me as well as wealthy, affluent people, as well as middle-income and lower-middle-income people. I kind of felt in that middle-income, lower-middle-income type family that I grew up in. So everything was earned. Everything was hard work. We all mowed lawns, shoveled driveways, did what we could to earn a buck. When I was a young man, eight years old, to touch on that story, I love candy. Everyone that knows me knows I have a sugar fish. I'm a huge Swedish fish fan. And when I was a kid, I used to love Slurpees and candy. That was my thing. I was a big, very athletic when I was a kid. And after sports, we'd walk to the local 7-Eleven and have a Slurpee and candy. That was a treat for me and my older brothers that my father would do in our tradition. So... What I always wanted to make money. I always I used to sit on the street and see Mercedes driving by me and and I always wanted to know like how do these people do it? Because I didn't come from money, so I had to learn. And so one of the things I figured out was I always drove by and saw the billboards with the Marlboro Man when I was a kid. And so cigarettes were prevalent. And I grew up in an area, Diane, where it had the most bars per square feet per capita in the United States. So there was tons of bars in in a town called Highwood, Illinois, right next to where I grew up. And with that being said, I figured out I paid an immigrant uh, money and he bought me a a carton of Marlboro Reds. 
because that was a hot cigarette, because a lot of men were in the bars at the time. There wasn't a lot of women drinking, and so you had to peel. So they they smoked Marlboro Reds, women smoked Marlboro Lights. I knew, and they also, women smoked a lot of menthols. I knew this as a young kid, because being around and walking around, I'd see and just figure out and see the packs of cigarettes and the colors. And so, um, you know, we were interesting kids. We used to collect beer cans. You know, we did everything to make money, recycling, you name it. But the cigarettes I would do, I would buy a carton of cigarettes, I'd go in, I'd break up the pack, put in a pillowcase, put underneath, you know, my sweatshirt, and then start selling. (laughs) And it got got to a point where my parents uh, saw I had a lot of cash on me. And uh, and then obviously uh, it didn't go well from there. My parents were a little disappointed. (laughs) I don't think it's legal as a young man, even... Even in the 1970s, to start walking into bars and selling cigarettes, and and it was it was more like a Bronx tale because a lot of the mafia owned the bars, and it probably wasn't a good idea as a young kid. But no one bothered me. I was just doing my thing, keeping quiet. Kids would walk in and out of the bars because the down the doors were open, and it was a different world back in the 1970s, late 70s when I grew up in this area. And nowadays we got cell phones and. You could track where everyone is. It's a whole different world with technology. Yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't give it up for the world. People say, well, would it be nice to have technology when you're a kid? I'm sure a lot of the ladies listening out there, depending on your age group, for me, if I didn't ha- not having a cell phone was great because I had free roam to do what I want, you know, and, and it was a different world back then and I wouldn't trade it for a thing. And that experience alone taught me about sales. It taught me about resilience. It taught me about risk and how to manage risk. So this is what I learned at a young age. And still today, it doesn't matter how successful I am. It doesn't matter what I do every day. I am still that same person, persistent, showing up to work. Like right now I am at work and after this interview, I'm going to start grinding with my leadership team. And, uh, and we have a lot of women on our leadership team, which I'm very proud of. And I'm grooming a woman who is eventually in the next probably 18 months or less, she's going to become the CEO of my company. And I'm really Fantastic. proud of that. Wow. Yeah, she's, so she's talk a, to us about your, about your business. Because one thing I see, and I just saw statistics that really blew me away, that uh, post-COVID in New York City, 48% of the commercial real estate is deserted. And because they're doing hybrid, partially remote, maybe two days a week in the office, they don't know what they're going to do with all of that real estate. And part of what you do is repurpose. And another part of what you focus on are medical offices, which seems to me for a tsunami of aging in America is the smartest thing ever. And the question that I asked you before we started this podcast was, what are we going to do with all these creepy, deserted shopping centers? What's your vision here for repurposing commercial real estate? Well, first of all, it's a great question. And a lot of these markets we don't really invest in anymore. We've kind of moved away from the New Yorks and the Chicago's of the world, and we focus more on the South and the Sun Belt where there's- And why? Why is that? Well, I'll tell you why. I'm an office, industrial, and retail expert. That's where I'm an expertise. I've built millions of square feet of office, industrial, and retail. And so for us, we've seen change. When the internet came in, retail changed. There wasn't as many tenants absorbing space. And so you see a lot of vacancies, see the big box stores. 
I mean, in Chicago and New York, we had Macy's. And Macy's is, there's few and far between Macy's stores out there. So the big box retailers have shrunk. You've also had different concepts come in. The restaurant folks and the fast food folks are doing very well in this country. And so the mass change do well because they price to a lower middle income type clientele and that has more masses. So if you deal with the masses on a retail area, it you will have better traction and more success in sales. But some of these malls and some, you see these malls are deserted. There's a mall in Chicago called Northbrook Court, high end mall. Every time I walk in that mall and I go back to Chicago, I live now in Southern California, Diane, I go back, I'm going back this week to Chicago and I walk through that mall, there's so much vacancy. So they're taking that mall as example, they're repurposing it, making apartments. You know, in a lot of, in New York, in these different major metropolitan areas, whether it be Miami, they're taking these areas and they're repurposing them. So they could knock it down and make it senior living. There's more baby boomers uh, growing and that population is enormous. So you have to cater to that age, that population that's aging. So what do you do? You build facilities that deal with the baby boomer generation. So that could be more uh, senior housing, more nursing home, more healthcare facilities. It could be potentially apartments or could be townhouses, depending on the, how the land lays out. So you're going to see different uh, spots where there's a lot of vacancy that's going to be repurposed and municipalities are going to have to rezone these lands if need be. So, oh, I never what, thought about that. So, so what we decided 20 years ago, I've been doing this for three decades. Okay. I'm 53 years old. Started this when I was a young man and I'm also a CPA by trade. And so what I learned was you have to look at things and be able to kind of foresee what, what reality is behind the concept. So 20 years ago, even though uh, Barack Obama was in office and we thought healthcare was going to go by the wayside and we we're going to get into social medicine, what ended up happening, we knew, and I use this phrase frequency, frequently, is the human body is never going out of style. So we took that approach and we said, you know what, we're going to start buying medical and developing medical. And that's what we did. We're one of the leaders in owning medical and now even veterinary office. We've gotten veterinary office about six years ago. And so we have a lot of folks from around the world that invest in our funds specifically to get into one of the best asset classes in commercial real estate. And that's how we build wealth because think about this for all the women out there that are listening. Okay. You have to go visit all the services you want in person. And the real estate helps generate the revenue for that specific tenant of ours. So I'll give you an example. If you're a woman, look at OBGYN. A lot of them are positioned near the hospital so they could walk over after a woman has a baby. Well, they need those locations, Diane. So those locations have high barriers to entry. They don't like to move. They build deep roots. Take dermatology. Dermatology is huge, especially in the sun belt where the sun is. I know being in California, the sun's constantly shining and wearing sunscreen all the time. You look at different concepts. Plastic surgery is huge. It's huge with women. And so we own plastic surgery facilities. We own surgery facilities. Gastro's big. There's more uh, cancer facilities around the country with cancer growing. So all these facilities, it's not going to stop. And as the population ages and the baby boomers, Diane, increase, 
more medical services and more properties need to be put together. Yeah. And, and, you know, I just saw something new and it's put out by AARP. So I don't know whether you're familiar with it, but it's called Oak Street Health. Mm -hmm. And this, yeah. So these are health facilities for 55 plus. So supposedly these are doctors that really understand the aging process, understand how to take care of the older patient. There was a big deal about it with the doctor is always making eye contact with you when he's talking and you get to talk as long as you want to about everything physically that's bothering you. So that seems to me a really smart place to go with your money. And you actually say in your bio, Ben, that you can offer the same kind of payback to your investors that you did with buying the cigarette packs at a dollar and selling them at $2. I know that I was in uh, business, fashion, that completely ignored and had no respect for the aging female. And for me to come in with one light bulb idea, a middle-aged body gene. I built a hundred million dollar a year at retail business. It was fascinating. You've got a captive audience that will know the minute you present it to them. Oh, I didn't even know I could dream of that. So what is your next big thing to invest in? Is it going to be something like Oak Street Health? Are you part of that? I, I want to hear your ideas on this. Yeah, I, I know the gentleman from Oak Street Health, but what we're doing is we're doubling down. So what we decided was we want to share what we do with the world. And so we started advertising and market. We've never had to do that for funds, for medical properties. So one of the things we want, and we have a lot of women, by the way, for all the women out there, we have a lot of women that are starting to invest in with us and what we do. They're very successful. There's a lot of women that are just powerhouses in business and they see what we're doing and they see our core values, which is transparency, integrity, consistency, and expertise. And so a lot of folks out there are tired of investing in multifamily. You know, them or their spouses or significant others uh, are tired of it. They're not seeing the returns. Multifamily is struggling right now. What There's is multi? What, what is multi? Multifamily multi, multi is over five units. So a lot of folks out there are raising money for 200, 300, 400, 500 unit complexes where they'll be in, say, Dallas, Texas, and they'll have large. Now, it doesn't mean that we won't buy multifamily in the future, and there might be opportunities to buy in the next 18 to 24 months because I believe we're going to hit a deep recession out there. Diane, that's what's for You do. There's no doubt there's $1.6 trillion of commercial real estate mortgages that are coming due. And we've seen this before. And the banks right now, we see them preparing. They're moving their commercial real estate portfolios off their books. They're trying to sell them. They're consolidating. They're challenging when you have to refinance. Those are all signs to me that trouble is brewing ahead. It's. I believe we're already in a recession. I think it's going to get deeper. I so, actually believe we are. Yeah too. But I do ask you, what kind of return do you do you offer people? I mean, it's very, that's a tricky thing because you, you don't, you're almost in the business of managing 
investor perception and trying to avoid disappointment. So when you see this recession coming, and I believe it's not only in commercial real estate, I believe it's in housing, personal real estate as well. I mean, who wants to take out a mortgage at 8%? That's insanity. Just stay where you are for a few years. How do you manage the perception of what you believe your investors want from you in terms of returns? And what kind of returns do you offer them? Well, well, let's take a step back, okay, from what you said. Let's, unpeel, let's unpack that a little bit. There's, there's definitely, I mean, I would advise all the ladies out there listening is conserve your cash, okay? Whether you're married, you have a significant other, you're single, be smart with your money for the next 12 months. I'll tell you why. The purchasing power out there has dropped. Things are more expensive. I go to the grocery store. I don't know if you go to the grocery store, but I go grocery shopping and I see what's going on. The, the cost of produce and milk and, and all, and, and you know, I eat healthy. And so I see price of fish per pound is outrageous. Yeah. And so yeah. you look at the, you look at these factors, okay? And then you have uh, issues. There's probably going to be a couple banks that are going to fail, and that's going to officially produce uh, a statement saying we're we're into a recession, and it will get deeper. And my I feel friend oh, just invested in uh-huh. her her two sons wanted to do a startup mm-hmm. in Silicon Valley. They link themselves with Republic Bank. And so a great part of her retirement nest egg and what they saw as a perception of their future and to be able to pay her back was all wiped away in one day with Republic Bank. So I am so paranoid that honestly, I'm almost in that mode as a female because 80% of all females will live out their old age in some form of poverty because we're never taught how to manage our own money. Um, I'm ready to put it under a mattress to tell you the truth. You don't don't need to do that. What, What I suggest for everyone out there and for you, Diane, is look at hard assets like what we do, commercial real estate. I've been doing this now for three decades and it's a majority of my portfolio because one, I can kick the bricks and mortar of every single property we own, just like our investors can. I like the transparency. When I invest in stocks and bonds, which is a good diversification play or treasuries, I don't know who's making decisions on those boards. Yeah, I'm not, that's for sure. Right, and so so the, the point is, when you can go kick the bricks and mortar of the properties that we own, especially with medical, it's safe, secure, and profitable. So to get back to your returns, okay, medical office, take that one niche of main niches we're experts in, We've averaged about 24% internal rate return. Oh, my God. Group, which on a conservative asset is tremendous. Tremendous. Now, with our new fund, we're not promising that because we would like to under-promise and over-deliver. So we'll probably yep. be in the in the teens, the high teens, low 20s. So to get but back still. to your question about uh, my cigarette days when I was eight years old is the reason why we feel we'll double people's money at least maybe two and a half times in a five-year period, because that's the hold period for this specific fund, Diane. The reason why is we feel and know there's going to be tremendous buying opportunities, and it's starting to happen. We're starting to see 
cap rates, by the way, if you don't know what a cap rate is, call the capitalization rate. It's basically your net operating income divided by your purchase price. I'll leave it at that. I won't get into details about the economics behind uh, our finance and how we deal with our transactions. But at the end of the day, we know there's going to be great buying opportunities uh, and it will be able to uh, deal with the rising interest rate market. And with that being said, to have a safe, secure, and profitable investment that we're buying at discounted prices that we haven't seen in a while, we're raising money left and right, Diane, from various accredited investors and keeping our powder dry. And so this year, we've been very smart with money. We said we're going to hold off on buying. We might sell a little bit, and we're going to start preparing for what we see as great buying season for our investors. And so we have high net worth accredited investors and families from all over the world that invest in our funds and syndications that we've been doing for years. So to get back to your point of, of you asked a question about, uh, you know, really transparency is the word that you're focused on. And transparency and communication is everything. So when you look at our core values, transparency, integrity, consistency, and expertise, we have 200 plus years of leadership team, Diane and my company, which I'm extremely proud of. We have a wonderful leadership team and great employees around the country and even some outside the United States that work for us now. And with that being said, communication is everything. I communicate with my investors. I, we do quarterly reports. We do financial statements. Every investor has their own investor portal account, username, password, 24-7. They could see exactly what's going on with their investments. I am also a large investor in what I do. I am shoulder to shoulder with my investor. There is no one that believes more than what I do than me. And I invest significantly in what we do on a daily basis. Now, what and I, and I, I take that to heart. Let me just finish. I take okay. that to heart because here's something that's instilled in my company. I want everyone to hear this, especially when you invest, is that if you don't value every penny that anyone ever invested with you as a fiduciary, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. And I instill that in my staff because I give an example. Okay, I'm from Chicago. And as everyone knows, Chicago is freezing in the winter. So imagine if you're a lady out there and you live in a cold weather city. I hear you. I grew up, I raised my kids. I lived in Chicago for over 50 years. And I take a man or woman who has to commute in the ice and snow to earn that penny or that dollar that they invest with us. And when you take that to heart, Diane, and you understand that, Everything else flows downhill from there. Communication, integrity, the deals you look at and you buy, you make sure you do your homework and your due diligence of why you're buying. You tell the story, you explain it to your investors. You over-communicate. So to answer your question, communication is everything. And it's like that in anything in life. We know with the people listening out there, whether you have relationships, whether you're in business, whether you have children, Communications, everything. It's something I continue to work on every single day in personal development is how do I get better in communication? How do I understand body language? And so being in business and life, it's it's constant growth and constant learning. And that's why people ask me, like, well, why do you keep doing what you're doing? Why do you keep learning? Why do you keep growing? Why do you have mentors and coaches? I feel that you just can't stop learning in life and can't evolve 
and it, what makes you the best authentic version of yourself, Diane. And that's well, so that's, that is leadership. So I just want to get back a little bit to the baby boomer audience, which is a huge chunk of America now. Something is popping up, but maybe you've seen it for a while. I was just introduced to it and given a tour. Uh, some of them are historic buildings. Some of them are new buildings that are down around the meatpacking district. But these are almost the equivalent of retirement slash assisted living for the wealthy communities where where apartments start at $20,000 a month, but you've got doctors on staff 24 hours a day. You've got physical therapists on staff the entire time. You've got fully populated with the right machinery gyms. You've got a kitchen that will make you anything you want, customized food for 22 hours out of 24-hour days. Are these the kind of facilities you're interested in? Personally, I was blown away by how expensive they were. And I thought to myself, I would probably have to be pretty sick or pretty needy to go into one of those facilities and be blowing up to $30,000 a month. Are you familiar with those facilities? And do you understand them any better than I do? Yeah, I mean, it's it's part of the medical real estate community, senior housing. Senior housing is only growing every single day as the baby boomer population ages. So yeah, there's a lot of things. Hyatt, you know, the Pritzkers being from Chicago, they have a concept where Penny Pritzker has a uh, concept for senior living that she has a brand for. So there's different concepts out there and different folks that produce it in masses and focus on it. It's a side of the business we haven't gotten into. It doesn't mean that we couldn't add that niche to our portfolio for our investors, but there's no doubt that senior living, a lot of, uh, as people age, especially the baby boomer, they want to have their bedroom on the first floor and they were, you know, they might have houses where, you know, they were living up on the higher floor. If it's a colonial style house or a two story house, or it's a brownstone, if they're in a city. And so at the end of the day, that's what people want. People want the ability. The other thing is too, if you look at like a Dell web contest, 55 and older in Florida, what's important is people are seeing that people want to, they're like each other, want to live near each other and have the service. Yeah. They want community. The they want yeah. community. We do. We do that in my company. We establish community. It's important to me. And so people want community. People want the services around them, whether more people uh, even today are into health and fitness. I'm huge into health and fitness. I me too. Train with, I train with a trainer five days a week. I eat healthy. And a lot of people are getting into health and fitness. There's a lot of women out there. Look for the women. Just look at the clothing brands between Aloe and Lululemon and and, and, and Athleta and all these brands because more and more women are getting into health and fitness and so are men. And so they want to cater to these people. People And want- they still want stretch and they still want to gain 10 pounds, lose 10 pounds and not have two different wardrobes. And I think that COVID also taught us we could live a casual life 24-7. We didn't need to get back into office clothing again. 
I am going to ask you a question that in my mind is really important for me as an urban girl. I always heard New York City is the greatest city to retire in. You've got public transportation. Uh, Not doing that anymore. A little too dangerous. And COVID is still around everywhere. Um, Entertainment in the city. Yeah restaurants, yeah, but they don't really cater to older people. What is, give me your top three states that you would say, here's where you should retire to, and are you investing in those areas? Uh Am I going to get in trouble from your audience if I, if I tell them how I feel? Okay, we're going to free associate here. I'm gonna tell you, well, I'm going to tell you from my experience in commercial real estate. So that's my view. I want everyone to understand my lens I'm looking at. Okay. I understand why people live in certain states. Like, look at Chicago, where I'm from. Okay. Great public schools. Okay. That's why I live. That's why I stayed there. So great public schools, uh, great employment base. However, now with technology, the employment base has changed because more people are working remotely or hybrid. You know, I work in my West Coast office in Newport Beach. We have a handful of people. It's different now. We're not in one office like we used to be, you know. And even the law firms and and accounting firms, if you look at them, they're they're working more remotely and hybrid. And so to answer your question about the cities, uh, there are tremendous places in Texas to live in, depending on what you want. Austin, Texas is a cultural mecca now. Great city. We do a lot of business there. We do a ton of business in Texas. I've been doing business in Texas for over two decades. People like Houston. Houston's a good market. Dallas-Fort Worth is a wonderful market. For for an aging community. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They all can handle baby boomers. A lot of baby boomers have moved out there. It's a tax-free state, which is really important. Nice. Uh, it's really an incredible state. If you never travel there, there's a lot of things to do. The people are wonderful, and uh, and the weather's not too bad. But give me nice. two more states. Uh, two more states. Where am I, I would, going as I'm aging? Well, I would, as you're aging, I think Nashville, Tennessee is a wonderful area. Tennessee is a great area. A lot okay. of people have moved to Chattanooga as well as Nashville. Those are wonderful markets, and yes, uh, great commercial real estate markets and medical markets. Nashville is a medical hub in this country. Some of the major hospital systems we do business with are based there. So that's yeah. an, there's so many great markets I can get. You know, there's great markets in Florida. Tampa, Orlando area, which we own a lot of real estate, is a wonderful little segment of Florida to live in. Uh, you know, you could look up and down Naples and Bonilla Springs, another great area. Another area to look at is North Carolina, South Carolina. I was going to ask you about South North Carolina. Carolina. That's buzzing with everybody I know. I, I have a brother who just retired, one of my older brothers, and he lives in Kiwa Island in Charleston, South Carolina. It's a gorgeous area. Great area, growing. North Carolina has Asheville and areas of Charlotte that are wonderful. So there's a lot of great markets down south to look into. There's also, you can, now that I live out west, Reno, Nevada is a wonderful market. Uh, I would say there's parts of Las Vegas that are incredible to live in if you're aging. Uh, A lot of things to do. Other things is people are looking at New Mexico. 
different areas of Arizona. I'm very interested in New Mexico. I think culture, history, beauty. The one thing that keeps me away from those Western states is I don't believe water is sustainable. No, I think it is. I think it's you a matter do? Of Yeah, okay. because in San Diego, they're looking at filtration plants and we're going to figure it out. We're too smart with technology, Diane, not to figure it out. But to get to other markets, Salt Lake City is a wonderful market uh, that people are moving to. That's great for aging population. A lot of things to do. The air's clean out here, which I love. I have allergies coming from Chicago. I don't even have allergies anymore. And then you look at different markets. Boise, Idaho is a great market. And so that's a wonderful market. These are all the different markets we look in. I mean, we look in probably 30 different markets. We'll buy throughout the United States because of medical, but in different niches we own, we're very uh, skeptical about, you know, we're not going to own a suburban office in certain areas of the country. You know, there's a lot of niches that have kind of faded. So I'm going to ask you, because this could be our final question, where are you going to move as you age? You're in your mid-50s. So let's say in 10 years, hopefully the mortgage rates are going to be better than they are. But are you going to move to, do you see yourself going into a community that's basically within your age group? Do you see yourself or or putting maybe your parents into a high-end assisted living community I want our audience to know what the choices are, but where an expert like you is going, are you going to stay where you are in Southern California? You certainly got the weather pattern well, for it. From, from my lips to God's ears, hopefully uh, hopefully I'm able to stay. I mean, I live in Orange County, and right right on the water. And, uh, and I'm a big water guy. I like the sound of water. They even, uh, my staff here bought me a fountain in my office so I could hear it. You know, oh that, God. Uh, you know, that's my, that's my spiritual side of me. And do you so, see yourself with, as you age with customized living that you want to be totally in control? Because one thing I noticed when going to a couple of really high end 20, 25, 30,000 buck a month, assisted living facilities in New York was they don't give you a stove because they're afraid you're going to burn the place down and not cook. They don't give you a door on the bathroom. It's just a curtain because they're afraid you're going to fall and, and, you know, block their entry. It was in its own way, a sort of a terrible window of looking into a future where other people are pretty much monitoring everything you do. When you invest money in repurposing commercial real estate, where does that money go for baby boomers? Final final question. Does it go to redoing shopping centers? And how does that work for you, Ben? The baby boomers are going to want safe, secure, and profitable investing, Diane. They're, okay. that's, that's, and they're going to diversify their capital. And so we have a lot of baby boomers that invest in medical properties with us in our funds. And that's a that's a big demand from them that we've heard over the last five years. Are medical properties hospitals? Are they the kind of facilities be, I mentioned? So, what? Yeah, it's a great question. What we invest in for the audience to know is imagine you and your family 
every service that you go to, whether it be, like I mentioned before, OBGYN, gastro, dermatology, neurology, oncology, uh, plastic surgery, anything that the human body surrounds is what we own. We own different micro hospitals. Uh, we own dialysis, which was big. I started in dialysis almost two decades ago. I was one of the leaders in that business. And, uh, and then a guy named Warren Buffett started buying shares of DeVita and it grew and we grew with it. And it was a tremendous run for us. But anything out there that for your ladies out there that are listening, that you utilize, you and your family, that's what we own. And so what ends up happening is we have a lot of folks that sell us their properties, physicians. They want to invest in our properties. Or one of the things we created was they could do a tax-free exchange. They could sell us their property into our fund, not pay taxes. All our investors benefit, and the tenant, the doctors, are investors into the fund. So you have everyone pulling the wagon in the same direction. It's, a, it's like a beautiful symphony going you on. You know what I would fund. like? I would yes, honestly like an old shopping center refurbished. So I had my dermatologist for stupid stuff like Botox. I had oncology. I had GP. I had heart specialist. All of it within one big facility that didn't read to me like a hospital, which for me is always, you have to be in crisis to go to a hospital. It's such but, a great point because that's what's going on in our society. Oh, like okay. they, they call it MedTail. And MedTail is big. We have a lot of shopping centers around the country that we start off where, you know, you might have 7-Eleven, we had Citibank in it. We might have a, a restaurant in the in the shopping center. And a lot of them, Diane, over the last 10 years have been converted to medical, where uh -huh. we'll have, we have urgent cares in our retail properties because urgent cares want traffic. And so we have a, a retail center in Austin, Texas. It's all medical now. I built the property next to it. It was a dialysis facility. It was an incredible location, a lot of traffic. And so we end up putting dentists. Dentists are big tenants of ours. So we'll have a dentist and urgent care. And then we'll have a plastic surgeon ENT folks that are tenants. So we oh, see I more like and more. Stop shopping. Yeah, I we like, have more and more. Yeah. The other niche that's big is autism. So we're seeing autism go more into retail spaces. We see, uh, we see cardiologists going more into retail spaces because medical tenants want to be surrounded by each other. So the ancillary services feed off each other. So you can but go to my, my cardiologist. If you're, if you're someone like me, and certainly during COVID, I became totally addicted to shopping online and uh, everything from high-end clothing to anything I needed from pharmacy to everything that's on Amazon, which is actually an incredible service. So if you're going to get me to a medical facility, I'd love to be in a big shopping mall where it was one stop and you could do, you could get so much productively done in a day. Okay. So I am now going to turn the tables on you. And final question, which you asked wait, me. Wait, hold on. We're not, we're not going to talk about fashion. Isn't that your niche? Yeah, we're not talking oh, about okay. fashion. Oh, you're interviewing me. That's right. 
So, on your podcast, I own it. So you asked me this question. It's your last day on Earth. An asteroid is coming. You can have anything to eat you want to. What is your last meal? Oh, God. I've never had anyone Oh, don't be a bully. You asked me that question. I was like, oh, my God. The question is, it's our last day on Earth. God forbid. It's just me and you, kid. What are we eating? What are we drinking? It's your choice. So, so yeah, this you're, you're putting this question back on me. What oh, are we yeah. eating? What are we, it's our last day on earth? Okay. Yeah. Um, I am eating one of my favorite pizzas. Okay. And because I have celiac and I eat gluten-free, I'm throwing that out the window. So we're going to eat my favorite pizza. Are you ready? We're, we're going to have a full Italian meal because I love Italian food. Okay. I love a lot of food. I love sushi. I love Chinese. I love Vietnamese. I love so many food and I miss it being from Chicago. And that's why I love going to New York because the food is phenomenal in New York. Yeah, totally. With that being said, one of the things that I would do is we would start with my favorite pizza. My favorite pizza is, uh, it has the best tomato sauce on it, ground beef, uh, red onion, green pepper, uh, jalapeno and pineapple. Well done. And it's thin and it's crisp. Okay. And we start off with a great salad with a great Italian dressing, ripe tomatoes, um, you know, great vegetables in it. And then, so we start off and we have our pizza for an appetizer. Then we have incredible homemade pasta that the best chef in the world is out making for us and he's got the roller and he's stretching out the pasta you're killing me i haven't eaten all day i'm like ready to go to an italian restaurant okay and then and then he comes out with the pasta with the best garlic bread it's nice and hot and it's piping and it's in like a cool basket you know like it's almost like a picnic and and then then he says mr reinberg what kind of wine would you want and uh, and I would have the most incredible red European uh, Italian wine. Uh, I like the European wines now. I collect wine. It's because they don't have the sulfates. So even though it's our last day on earth, it doesn't really matter. We could have a Napa red if we wanted to. But I would like a beautiful red blend to go with my pasta and my pizza and uh in a wonderful big glass and i want the i want the old school pour where they give you a good pour and uh and then and then we'd have dessert and dessert to me um is the best chocolate chip cookie in the world would be fantastic Ooh, i love them especially and when nice, they're warm and the chips nice are all hot. melty yes nice i like macadamia nuts in them too oh uh, that well i thought it's my decision not your decision yeah. Okay. So we have a warm chocolate cook cookie, and uh, and that's it. And that's that's what I would like for my last meal. But and uh, you know, this is hilarious because when I answered your question on your podcast, I own it. I realized that everything from Kobe beef steak, yes, to an entire giant table full of sushi, everything I wanted was Japanese food. 
Yes. Uh, that is so crazy. And everything you want is Italian food. So listen, we got to start getting the people together in case that asteroid is coming our way so we can actually coordinate this international meal should it be the last day on earth. And please, everybody, do yourselves a favor. Get familiar with Ben Reinberg. He is a powerhouse. He is a force of nature. And I hope we stay in touch. And um, I'm going to study more about investing money with you because I think dark times are coming. I do believe that. You are a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Was that really? It was an honor. I hope hope you bring me back because I'd love to add value and talk about what's going on in our world and our economy and talk about investing and talk about how to. Okay, let's do it at the beginning of the year. Let's do it. I'll be your uh, your economic guy, I guess we call me, or your finance guy. But uh, just for everyone out there listening, just just be smart. Just you know, kind of be a little bit more conservative than you've been. And I'm not saying don't go spend money, enjoy your life, and live live, but just be smart about it. You know, just really keep your eyes open of what's going on because there's I believe there's trouble brewing, and I don't want to make anyone nervous. That's not what it's about. But we're nervous already. Just We're nervous smart. already. Well, you yeah, I mean, look, you I mean, cannot the miss is, the world's scary. What's going on with yeah. Israel is, is so sad and disappointing. And I see yeah. everything that's going on in our and world. And I have a friend there and, and I can't figure yeah. out where she is. And it's, it's driving trouble. me nuts. But it, it saddens me. But yeah, I mean, for everyone out there listening, just just keep your eyes open. Be aware, um, you know, and, and if you're struggling out there, um, work on yourself. You know, people say to me, like, Diane, and we could touch on this important is people say, well, what do you do? I have a morning routine. I meditate. I work on myself. I'm into personal growth and development because I want to be the best version of myself so I can impact people and help people. And so Uh, if you're struggling out there, you know, think about what can you do to help work on yourself because your mental health is important. And your life is a privilege and every minute counts. The downtime, the depressing times. And my thing is always, whenever you hit a brick wall, there's a door hidden in that brick wall. You just got to find it. So don't give, don't give up on that because you will be able at some point to open that door and have the light come shining through. And you are one of those lights that comes shining through. And just to add, just to add to that is it's so important because if you're struggling out there or you have anxiety or issues, the universe is basically giving you a sign of there's a lesson behind it. And so just open your eyes and your ears and listen and you'll thrive. I tell my employees that all the time. Like I have people and women where they're anxious, they have anxiety or they have a personal life. It's why we got into, we brought a human behaviorist into my company because your personal life and business life blend with each other. I'm one of the first companies I've done this. I invested in this company. I love it. Uh, and what we decided is we said, you know what, for years, everyone's personal life and business life, it's affecting each other. So what we did is we have all our leadership team and our employees, and I just did mine again, is we do a playbook. 
And what it does is it explains like what energizes you, what drains you. It talks about what you want to do more of. Because for years, I couldn't figure out. I'm like, I'm just this business guy, Diane. And like, all I do is work, 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 work. But what do I really want? And so I was able to take a step back and incorporate things into my day. So every day I work out. It's my routine. Every day I go for a walk. You know, being in Newport Beach, I'm across from this gorgeous high-end mall called Fashion Island. I get the opportunity to go out at lunch and walk the mall. And I'll do like three or four laps. And so... There's certain things I've learned about myself. And what's great is I could take an employee. So for example, let's say you were on my leadership team, Diane, and you loved, you were into health and wellness, okay? Or you were into mentoring and coaching. So I'm able to understand who you are and put you in a position in my company to make sure that you thrive. And and that's how I create longevity and healthy lives at my company alliance is because I wanted to understand who people are. And I know it wasn't in vogue. People are like, you can't get into people's personal lives. And I said, screw that. I said, I want to know everything about people because I want to help them. How do you, re- you see all these younger kids that are jumping and jumping from job to job. And I said, how do we prevent that from happening? Well, the way to do that is understand what do they really want? What energizes them? Where can they put the focus on? What, what do they want out of their lives and their careers and their future? You know what's and interesting? Me, I say... I think I went into retirement for about four weeks and I thought, oh, this is a long, dark tunnel. And the minute somebody said to me, you know what? Your communication skills are great on TV. Why don't you try podcasting? Boom. So now I'm finding in a different period of my life, a way to be productive, to help. It's very important for me to help my female community and my producer is going to kill me if we keep on talking. <laughs> so we're well, going to just... Your, your audience wants us to keep on going, but I'll come we're back. We're going Wait to have to what a, book what a another podcast. So let's do it for January when we've all got cabin fever and we all need words to live by. And Ben Reinberg, it, you're not hard to look at either. So it's, it's great to have good financial advice and a handsome guy telling us how to do it. I am going to thank you so much. And please, ladies, do yourself a favor. Go to Ben Reinberg and his podcast. I own it and you will get fantastic tidbits of knowledge and wisdom. It's really, really worth the time. So with with all that. One more thing. If people want to know how to get a hold of me, we're going to give them all that info after. Yeah, of course we are. So Ben, I was so excited about doing this with you. And I'm starting to get my Japanese chefs together for end of end of the world. And you better start getting your Italian chefs together so we can have a full banquet. And I will see you very soon, my friend. Thank Thank you you. so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Keep rocking, Diane. What a privilege. I'm working on it. Thank you so much for listening to Too Young to Be Old podcast. The episode may be over, but the fun doesn't have to stop here. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at The Diane Gilman, or visit our website, thedianegilman.com. If you like the show, leave us a rating or a review, and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And until then, don't forget, Age is just a number. Together, 
will prove that we are all too young to be old. <laughs>